Welcome to that Shady Buffalo podcast, podcast about unimportant things that for some reason are important to us. I'm your host, David Cole. Welcome back to Stranger Things Season 4. We're going into Part 2, where we will be talking about the Hawkins crew. This is everybody, all the characters in Hawkins. You've got Steve, you've got Eddie, Dustin, Lucas, I'm going to forget somebody, Erica, Robin, uh, Nancy, Max, uh, Max. I can't, how did I forget most Max? Character, most important character of the season. He's the best character of the season. Um, and then we're going to also tie everything with Vecna here in this episode. That's going to be our first segment here. And then our second segment, we'll be looking forward to season five, as well as our personal selections for songs that we think would break Vecna's curse for us personally. So, Hawkins, this is the vast majority of the season. And this sort of part of the story, although I will say I had things I lo- loved and liked about every other part of the season, this part of the season, along with how I feel about Vecna as a villain, is why this season is so high for me. This is, to me, one of the best plot lines of Stranger Things, period, is this main crew of, you know, Max, Nancy, Lucas, Dustin, Steve, that main crew, Robin, I'm, missing, I'm sure I'm missing people, but you know, you know what I mean? And what they do in this season is, to me, pretty much pitch perfect. Um, but let's go ahead and get, get into our guests' thoughts with me again, obviously, Carson and Brooke. So Carson, overall thoughts on this Hawkins segment of the story, which is probably like half of the season. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, you pretty much summed it up. It's perfect. Like, I have no complaints. Um, I think, I'll, yeah, I'll touch on it now just to, so we, to avoid having to touch on it later. Um, I think like the only part from this segment that I've heard any bit of like qualms about was the things relating to the basketball team as like playing an uh, antagonist role in like kind of being a villain in it. Um, And I felt like uh, they maybe kind of shoehorned that in there because maybe like I feel like the writers like they had this great idea in the dynamic between of like Lucas's implementation and him kind of splitting off from uh, Which the friend group and like the Hellfire Club and all that. Um, and so it was that, and so that was a great idea. Um, and so I feel like if there is any fat to the season in terms of, I know you kind of talked about it earlier with Russia and I, and I agree with all those points, but I think this is another, maybe one of those areas that they could have cut some of this out. But that being said, I was glad they didn't because part of it is like, I've heard people say that they hate that, like that stuff, but I think it's like, you're, you hate that because you're supposed to hate those characters and they're so like arrogant and dumb and they don't know what they're talking about and they don't understand the bigger picture. And I feel like that's like kind of like the writer's attempt to get under your skin and like make you hate them. Plus you, you need like, you need that Hawkins antagonist to keep that finale um, in the Creole mansion, you need to keep that intense somehow. And the basketball uh, dudes kind of riding up um, in Lucas's fist fight provides that. So um, even all, like, even with that common complaint that like I've seen online or heard other people talk about, I think it was a great idea and they did a great job implementing even those like maybe common qualms. Yeah. Brooke, what about your overall thoughts on this, uh, this section? I loved it um I haven't heard anyone complaining about the jocks being like the villains of this part but I will say I don't think you could cut that out because Eddie's character is based off of a real life person yeah Um, exactly and he very much was hunted by everyone in his town so you kind of need that representation to really portray the satanic panic that is a big part of this season so like you can't you can't cut out Jason and all of them even if you want to you kind of have to have that to make it make sense as to why Eddie was so freaked out the whole time yeah I think that it is the only thing I could see is if someone's like was a little on the, a little over the top or whatever I, I don't know I think that if you realize what they're going for 
with the satanic panic, like you mentioned, which is the real thing that happened. Um, it makes so much of the season kind of fall into place because there were some concerns that I think to me, valid concerns in the first uh, couple episodes with how potentially satanic, like literally some of the things came across, right? Um, and some of the things being Vecna himself, some of the ways that he killed. Um, there's a lot of stuff in there that I can see people saying this is satanic, this is not okay. Um, and then once you realize what they're going for and that it's mirroring this, this satanic panic and the point of it is they need that antagonistic force of, from the community, right? So the people, not just the basketball team, but the people in the community, um, just like happened, it was, I was, uh, I'm assuming it's in the 80s. I don't know exactly when that was, but in the 80s where there was a lot of villainization of D&D and, and talking about people thinking that it was something that it really wasn't. Um, and so there were, were real issues around that in America. Um, and so they're kind of mirroring some of that. So in order to do that, Vecna has to be believably doing things that people would see and think that's something satanic. So you have to kind of mirror those tropes from movies and from real life, <laughs> but some of those tropes that you have to mirror to get to get your characters, random townspeople and people like Jason and the basketball team to see those things and be able, be convinced that it is someone pulling pulling a satanic ritual or somebody you know controlling or using satanic powers, uh, and so because of that, they kind of have to visually make things mirror that kind of stuff. So I really liked that storyline with Jason. I loved what they did with Lucas, where he's kind of trying to be cool for a while. He kind of plays both sides a little bit, and he's not, he's not, he's not trying to, like, trick his friends, but he kind of wants to live both worlds, right? Um, and so I'm going to start getting some, some of the particulars. So um, to me, man... What they do with Max and Lucas, I think, are two of the strongest characters in this section, but also the teenagers. I mean, Eddie's one of the best new characters they've introduced probably since Max. Um, such a well-rounded character, great introduction that they kind of build off of and they develop him. Like, Bob is a good character, but he doesn't have any, any real development, right? I mean, he, like, has a moment. It is a hero moment. We don't have any reason to believe that he was a coward before that moment. Um, like Barb's a fine character, but like no real character arc, right? So most of these new characters that are only in one season, like Eddie, don't have nearly as, they're not nearly as central to the story. They don't usually have a character arc. And he had both. So that's a part of why I thought his death was so impactful. I'm kind of jumping all over his entire storyline. But um, I think you kind of have to have all those things working together from him having that arc of being a coward and being someone that's not ever take risks and do these things to, to overcoming that, but also having the community against him uh, and in order to show that to have an attack, like if there's, if the community is not against him, then like there's no like suspense other than just Vecna, like when's, he gonna, when's Vecna going to pop up again? But because of the fact that you have the town out to get him, he has to be on the run he has to hide and then eventually everyone's kind of on the run and hiding. So it adds a level of suspense before we get going too much more. Let's dive into some more of our highlights. So let's just try to give one or two things and then we'll try to keep going around the horn. Um, Carson, anything that I haven't mentioned that was a big highlight or standout in this area of the show? Um, I think the, the characters you, you mentioned that, but just like, all around they nailed like every little like character interaction it felt like um whether it was eddie and dustin um steve and dustin steven eddie uh yeah. steven nancy like the way they intertwined every character max and lucas um lucas and dustin like everything they just was executed perfectly um you said in you said specific moment highlights. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I mean the biggest one I would say is the probably the most iconic scene from the season. Um, 
in Max running from Vecna um, at the end of Dear Billy with uh, running up that hill playing. Um, so what, what that that moment and then the that's like one a and then one b is of course eddie playing the most metal concert of all, of time. all time yeah the history of the world is that yeah, the history of the world the line. yeah um so i think i like, just like the fact that getting to like probably top five like stranger things moments maybe yeah like that's pretty crazy um in just so that episode I, dear billy you have the the action scene that i talked about in california that one shot you have that scene, plus all the stuff with uh, Max thinking she's going to die that whole time, her writing the letters, her that emotional moment she has talking to Billy, and then her possession, and all, all the stuff in her mind, within her getting out of it because of Kate Bush and running up that hill. So, like, that episode from top to bottom is has a, some of the best stuff in the entire show is in that episode. So, yeah. definitely a strong moment. Um, anything else, Brooke, that we haven't mentioned yet? That was on what some of your top moments of this area of the show. I had something and I can't remember what it is. So give me a second. Sure. Um, I'll go, I'll, I'll jump in. So think about it. One thing for me yeah. was the mirroring of the basketball game with the DD game. That was epic and really fun. And this show does fun really well a lot of times. Mirroring Erica winning the game with Lucas winning the game. Uh, just some really cool stuff in that and how they broke it down with that scene. Um the trying to avoid I'm trying to avoid Vecna for a little while keep, keep pushing that off um but beyond Vecna just Max in general I, I talked about earlier how they show people dealing with loss and anxiety and those kind of things and the way that Max as a character is treated is a really strong direction really um powerful like storyline for people that have lost loved ones for people that have faced difficult things like stress and anxiety uh, and having Vecna then target them makes him even more <laughs> evil, you know? So um, anything else that you want to, I'm looking through my notes and I have more stuff, but I don't want to hog the, hog the, uh, the mic here. Carson, what else? Uh, I think one of the cool, super cool moments, maybe it was just, I thought it was super cool because like I, uh, caught on to it earlier than I think either most people like the average viewer would or just like I usually don't pick up on things like this that quickly but as soon as they went into the upside down in Hawkins and went to Nancy's room looking for the gun yeah as, I have soon, as, down too. as soon as Nancy turns toward the desk I was like she's gonna find the note cards and she's gonna see the date like I am like not even like before she, like you see the note cards I, I like i already knew exactly what was going to happen i was like uh and so just like, the, like that's always a, like like it's like a super cool like um thing to thing to add and which is like a piece of lore that i don't think we've gotten the explanation for of exactly i think i think they've said that we're going to um the duffers have touched on it yeah um, you gotta sure guess will. about like how upside down was frozen in time i mean like we kind of know but we don't know the details surrounding it yeah um so that that was a super cool moment and then of course just like at the end of the season dustin's um another highlight was just dustin's conversation with mr munson i guess good lord and and tying that into um tying that into eddie's death of being like when he kind of he's in the process of running away he's like i can either keep on running and even if i make it out alive i still have the town to face or i can for sure die hero and they don't explicitly state that but i felt like it's kind of implied that eddie as a character has this moment of realization where i can stop running now and i can become that hero that he told steve he never thought he could be um and so yeah he, so he does become that and so like that that arc um i mean you touched on the character arc about how he gets that but just the it's way that they strong. kind of put the bow uh on top and tie it up all nice and pretty was yeah uh, really well done you broke anything else yeah, I remembered what I wanted to talk about. Oh, yeah. um, the scene where Robin and Nancy go visit uh, Victor Creel. Yeah, that's so good. I love it for so many reasons. One of the <laughs> main reasons is the guy who plays old Victor Creel yeah. is the guy who played um, Freddy Krueger yeah. in the original Nightmare on Elm Street, which I think is such a cool nod to 80s horror because if yeah. you think about it, Vecna is very similar similar yeah 
Well, apparently they had this whole like script written out and they were definitely like homaging Nightmare on Elm Street in this season. And then they had this had this character of Victor Creel. And they were looking through, they had this list of people that had that had uh, applied to audition and he was on there. <laughs> I, I can't remember his name right now. I'm trying to remember it, but. So did he even audition or were they no, just no. like, oh, that's him. That's, no, I mean, he, he, did, he did, like, I, I think they sent in video auditions, but um, so they were like, why should we even like he definitely if he wants to do it they were just like we never thought to even ask him i'm yeah. trying to remember his name I, I know i know the name i just like it's not something you he's yeah. not someone that's been yeah. in a lot of movies outside of basically being horror characters um but yeah that's that is that whole scene super creepy um gives you a lot of good backstory and is just again like shows you this is these are the moments that Nancy gets where she gets to use her brain to outsmart people and get what she wants, and so that's part of why I uh, like her as a character, and part of why she is like an an, an asset, you know, to, to the crew, to the team. Um, it's Robert England. That's the guy. That's Freddy Krueger. Robert England. Um, so let's talk about the upside down because Carson, you started to go there a little bit. I didn't want to. Uh, get too far away from that but i also want to make sure that if that we got, got back around to brooke so we learn so much about the upside down so not only do we get that it's kind of time stamped for lack of a better term that's frozen in time on the day that will went missing but also we see how the lights work like we always saw uh, we knew will communicated with the lights somehow but we didn't ever get any explanation from that from anybody so now we do see which is funny because like all they would have had to do is like asked Will at some point in time, hey, how'd you do that? But they didn't. <laughs> so they figure out how the lights work. They like, you know, you touch the lights and it, it gets brighter or darker based off of how they touch it. And um, they use the light brights and do all kinds of different stuff in there. So there's some really cool stuff in there that I think will, I think we'll just continue to get more in season five, which is exciting for me. Um, beyond that, I'm trying to think of anything else that's not Vecna. It might be, might be about it. Um, so to me, Vecna is what pushes this season over the top. And to have a villain that has a backstory that's tied to 11 and to the show's history, uh, to go back that far and for it to fit in seamlessly and not just to be like a retcon that oh it was Vecna all along he was always the one behind things and it for, it, for it to feel natural is kind of mind-blowing to me and I was so relieved they did not kill him um so what about you guys how do you feel about just Vecna as a character we have kind of skirted around some things about him but haven't really dived into him deeply yet Carson what do you think well I think the fact that you uh see him in season one like yes that's huge like so that's i think it kind explain of explain that yeah so it they're assuming that you'll pick up on some subtle cues and i love that they don't outright tell you that because yeah. it, like the show in general tries to i feel like does a good job respecting the like the intellect of viewers who are watching carefully <laughs> and this is a huge example of that so um if you're unfamiliar with what i'm referring to in season one episode one the vanishing of will byers um will is driving his bike down the street he sees a figure in the road and he turns off of the road falls off his bike runs back to his house well you briefly get a shot of that figure um and, and, it, and first, you think it's a demogorgon right, right. you think it's the a demogorgon yes um because it's so quick um but if you go back and look and you see and you almost need to have like your brightness and contrast settings set to a certain way to actually <laughs> like see the outline of the figure but you can clearly see that one hand that and it's the correct hand I, I don't remember if it's the left hand is bigger or if the right hand is bigger i'm wanting to say it might be the the left hand is bigger um, i think right that was my thought too but we could both be wrong yeah <laughs> but whatever um, it is it is the right hand the correct yeah hand. it's the correct hand is larger um fits like the general that. yeah uh and um outline but it, that, that's not even necessarily it it's after will runs back to his house and i remember watching this and noticing it as we were leading up to our previous Stranger Things episode, when Will runs into the house, locks the door, 
hops on the phone to call for help and you see the door get unlocked from the outside and will drops the phone and runs to the backyard into the shed and i remember being like that's weird we never see a demogorgon use like psychic telepathic type abilities ever again in the show well who would that be other than vecna so yeah um and so it's and i feel like it's a pretty clear um like obvious like fact almost like you maybe you could consider it just like my headcanon but i think it's pretty much like heavily implied that that is what is occurring there um and then even beyond that just like the implications that that has on will um in terms of how vetna operates he uses trauma to kind of get in the heads of people so um i think even going so that's like how that's vetna's involvement in season one but then even in season two it's he in season one he creates this trauma for will and then in season two uses that uses will's trauma to act as a spy into yeah. that into that world even even with before creating the trauma out of the four boys he's the only one with a divorced set of parents he's closeted gay i mean or he may be even unknowing that he's gay at that point when he's that young so he is out of the four the prime t- target anyways and then like you said he does create kind of even more trauma by trapping him in, in the upside down for however many days that happens so yeah uh continue <laughs> yeah and so and so like that's like where he's at in season one and then then kind of how he uses will not only to spy but kind of like implants like the demi dog egg type yeah. thing for him to cough up in season two um and then in season three cre- obviously creating the um like the monster to drain l's powers and to like feed off of that and that's something else that can be easy to miss in the shows because it's like a one like well, it's only really implied like stated once yeah he has a line he's just like i yeah. need i needed your power i needed something right. from you he has a line that references like i kind of needed to get to you which is why in season three they are trying to get 11 right. also and billy, two- billy even says as much he says yeah we exactly i'm, I'm making this army for we you built this for you basically yeah. uh which is something that henry or you know one before he's vecna kind of says to her like we can do this together if you want right so billy saying you know hey i'm building this for you but also every maybe not every victim but multiple victims of that billy traps or takes when he's possessed or whatever you want to call what happens to him he says the first thing like one of the first things he says is don't be afraid and vecna says the same thing to 11 when he has her trap he's like don't be afraid it's too late now. Your friends have already lost. I just want you to watch. It's kind of like his phrasing. The first thing he says is, don't be afraid, uh, which is like funny because they're terrifying. <laughs> but don't be afraid. Um, so some of the, even just some of the phrasing is very similar from other characters that we didn't know were either being controlled by Vecna or Vecna literally speaking through them, those kind of things. Um, and like down to the, the mind flayer, being the shape of a spider makes sense because of Henry Creel's fascination with spiders and like all those things. Like, so he took this thing that he found in the upside down and crafted it into the mind flayer. Right. So like, there's just so much interconnectivity and I'm sure that it's going to continue next season. I don't know why it wouldn't given how well it's done, or how well they've done with it this season. Um, yeah, anything else with Vecna that we're missing? Anything else that you think about Vecna? Uh, Brooke, anything else that you can think of off the top of your head? The only thing that you guys didn't touch on in terms of like, this has gone back through all the seasons is you hear the clock ticking. Oh, that's right. And every yeah. season as well. Yeah. So like, that's another indicator that it's been Vecna all along that I think yeah. was a really nice, you don't realize it until you've watched season four, but that's in the background of every scene where Vecna like with Will or Billy or anytime he attacks someone yeah. you hear that clock and I mean I, I I love season one and I love just having a monster be like the bad guy yeah. you know but for a five season show you can't just have these voiceless monsters be the bad guys all the time so to have a villain that has an agenda that can communicate with the protagonists that can manipulate and use people uh, I mean, it is a strong asset, asset like a strong tool. So definitely um, think it raises the bar 
for this season a lot and for next season. I mean, what else, Brooke, can you uh, add I, in here? Well, I think it's just been a really nice, like, build to this. Yes. Like, you start with season one where it's just, like, a faceless, voiceless monster. And then the next season, it gets more sentient. And yeah. then season three, it's even more sentient. Yeah. And then season four, you realize it's Vecna, who is actually human and yeah. has just been, like, corrupted by this other world. And I think it's just like a really nice reveal all along the way. Yeah. I, I do think it'll be, it might be a little awkward once we're done in five seasons to have this, the main villain of the entire show only be in two seasons. And I, th I do think maybe there's a part of me that thinks that they wanted to do four seasons and Netflix said do five because there's some signs that maybe there's some like somewhere, especially like in season three, there's some like things that could be cut that could trim down some stuff. So that's a potential concern for, you know, for the end of the show in a couple of years. So just, but for now though, I mean, absolutely love what they do with him as a character. Um, he's him and Max are probably the only two characters or the two, two best characters. I think this whole season and where their characters, where whenever they're on, uh, on screen, I'm like, hooked. I'm, I'm ready to go. So um, that's really, I think, my last thoughts on Vecna and really on the Hawkins stuff. Um, anything else? We haven't really talked too much about um, the concert. <laughs> so let me give some, these are some quotes that I have written down over the course of the entire season. And if you think of something else while I'm doing that, let me know. But um, obviously, Eddie, when Chrissy's dying, when he says, you know, I don't like this is the line, especially I don't like this. Uh, great line from Eddie. Uh, there's a line, and if you if, if one of you guys remember what this, it was from, I wrote it down, so it must have made me laugh. In episode one, it is, it's after, it's after Vecna's first appearance to Chrissy in the bathroom. It was after that point in the episode. And someone says, mommy, what's she doing? And I think it's maybe when, I can't remember what that is, but it must be something that made me laugh. I don't know if it's... I know what it is. It's oh, when is Joyce it? is trying to break the Russian doll. Yes, that's right. That's right. When Joyce is breaking the, the, the kids across the street, like, Mommy, what's she doing? That, that's He's like, no, honey, laugh. come inside. Yeah, come inside. Yeah. Uh, that's great stuff. The other lines from episode... I think episode four? Yeah, episode four, where they're running away from the... Uh, asylum when Robin and Nancy are running away, one of them drops her shoe, and one of the inmates picks up the shoe. Like, ma'am, you dropped your shoe. Uh, that's great stuff. Um, I also have something that I already mentioned, but one of them is when they're getting ready to fight the, the Demogorgon for the first time. I think it's I think it's Dimitri that says, "Whatever comes, hold your ground." It could be Hopper, but I wrote that one down too. The uh, episode seven, the end, I think the last one of the last moments of the episode seven is when Steve says to Nancy C on the other side. Um, oh gosh. Yes. Episode seven or eight. When, when it's seven, it's, is there, is there, no, 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 it's, it's eight or nine. I think it's eight, but when Vecna, I think it's eight that when Vecna has Nancy and shows her everything, he says, show her everything you see. Like that's so many of his lives are so menacing and so good, but that's one of my favorites. Lucas, when he says, um, if anything happens, I'm calling in Kate Bush. That was a great one for me. Um, oh, how is he still high when they're talking about uh, talking about um, uh, Argyle? Like, how is he still high? <laughs> um, and when, he, when Argyle, speaking of Argyle, when Ar Ar Argyle says, mind fight, righteous. <laughs> the good one. And then, um, Carson, you kind of mentioned it earlier. Are you ready for the most metal concert in the history of the world? And um, I piggybacked from a pizza dough freezer. <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, other thing is, I wrote this down, and I don't know if this is an actual quote from a character or if someone kind of paraphrases it and homages it, but I wrote down, I, I've got a bad feeling about this from Star Wars. And I don't know if somebody like... Star Wars sets, is canon inside the Stranger Things universe. Not, I know. I, I'm not saying it's like not appropriate. I, I just, I can't remember now. If it's literally someone says, I've got a better feeling about this, or if someone says something similar, and I wrote it down, 
I was taking notes on things that were similar to Empire Strikes Back because I knew they were kind of trying to do that. And I mean, Max is your Han Solo, frozen in carbonite, right? They lose in the end. Uh, there's like a lot of other things that I, I had written down that I cannot remember now. But I mean, you have, um, oh, you had, you had the Lando. Uh, Yuri is the Lando, right? He like betrays them. Right. So you have, you have me also ends up helping them at the end, saving them. So, and he also pilots, like Lando's the pilot, the pilots the Falcon when they are leaving. So, like, there's a lot of connections to Empire Strikes Back, which is to me as a, as a Uber Star Wars fan is, is pretty cool. So, um, any last minute thoughts before we kind of close the book on this season and move on to the next season? I think the last thing is we haven't talked about really Max and where she's ending up, but I think we're going to probably piggyback off of that into our predictions for next season i will say i hinted at it in part one last week i hinted at the fact that they changed max's ending so for everybody that has that has a problem with them not having the guts to kill a character that matters they were going to kill max she was going to die that was going to be the end of her story which i'm happy they did not because i like what they're going to do now but what they said is they didn't just like change it willy-nilly they like when they were going back through in that six month hiatus, they were working on stuff. They decided to put her in a coma because of what they want to do with her in season five. So they have specific plans for her that needed her to be in a coma for it to happen, which is to me is very interesting. Number one, number two, it also shows that they weren't just like afraid to kill her. They were like, no, we have a better idea. So that to me is always good. Um, when you have, when you go with the, the you know, the, the most creative idea or whatever works the best for your story. So um, I'm going to stop rambling. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back and talk about moving forward to season five and also our songs, our Vecna songs. So we'll see you here in just a minute. And welcome back. So season five, the final season of Change of Things, um, I think we have gotten kind of soft confirmation that it will probably be about uh, a year and a half to two, two and a half years, but probably 2024 when we get this season. So we have a ways to go. Um, but what do you think we can look forward to? What do you think could potentially happen? Um, any predictions or just thoughts on where they're going to head next with that final season? Carson, go ahead and uh, start us off. This isn't too hot of a take, but just kind of set the tone of uh, my other points. So, like, obviously, it seems pretty likely that, like, the general two keys to season five are going to revolve around, like, Will's upside down spider sense thing and Max's uh, coma incapacitation at the beginning of the season. And I think so. My gut is telling me that there's a possibility that with Max in this state, she, like, I think somehow they will like Max will be able to like they'll be end up using Max to kill Vecna as some sort of result from this coma. I don't I don't I don't know. It may be something like she can spy into what Vecna's doing, kind of like like the reverse of what Vecna did to Will. Um, Vecna okay. like so like she kind of has that link to because I have a connection. Um, yeah, she kind of has that connection there, so they can kind of use between her like kind not not an ability but like her like effect of that coma after she wakes up and uh will's uh sp spider sense i think that that's going to be like how they end up um like putting things together to be able to fight and kill vecna um yeah i think there's a chance that vecna i think there's one or two things one that vecna could use max like almost yeah. the opposite that was where i originally thought but i was like i want to make my prediction more interesting yeah because <laughs> that's that's pretty like straightforward the other thing i thought is Eleven and Vecna could fight in Max's mind again, but yeah. it would be empty because we saw Eleven go into her mind and try to wake her back up, kind of, and it was just nothing. So yeah. they could fight and like, and maybe Eleven or Vecna, one or the other, could like craft, you know, instead of Max being the one, it's like okay, we're gonna, we're going to go to the snow snowball, right? Yeah, the snowball dance, whatever, because it's her mind; she's in control of that. With her being out then one of the two of them, they could both fight in her mind again, but also one of them could um, like 
or maybe both of them could use it to like create where they're fighting and create what's going on in there. They could also use it to like as a way to like tell stories. So like Vecna could show they can meet in her mind, and Vecna could show Max things that happened and explain some backstory by taking her mind and molding it into what he needs to show her, right? Because it's a blank slate. So there's some weird things they could do with that. Whatever they're going to do, I have faith that it's going to be cool because they have a plan. But um, any, any anything else, more predictions? Brooke, anything that you think moving forward is something that you're looking forward to or that you might think you think might happen? I haven't really thought about what I think might happen, but I have heard the theories that Eddie isn't actually dead and he's going to be kind of turned into a Dungeons and Dragons character, Cass, who is like the right hand of Vecna. Oh, that is just because of the fact that he was like killing Vecna in D and D lore. Oh, yeah. So the character in D and D is a a vampire. Okay, and he was killed by bats. So people think <laughs> you never actually see his dead body. So people are like, he's not actually dead. He's gonna come back, and he's gonna be the one to kill Vecna. Which, if that's what happens, I love it. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I don't see them making him as uh, a vampire. But <laughs> the other stuff, I can see happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay. So for me, moving forward, I think it's probably a pretty safe bet they're gonna keep everybody in Hawkins. I, I think they're gonna keep everybody together more often. I hope they bring in Yuri and Dimitri uh, slash Enzo, but they could. I guess some people could leave, but I think they're going to keep the main core together um, much more than they did this season, for sure. Um, what else do you think moving forward, Carson? Um, I think one thing that is very possible is I wouldn't be surprised if Vetna takes like a new form. Um, yes. I don't know what that looks like in terms of D lore or if, like what he becomes but he got pretty yeah. messed up yeah. and he already was pretty messed up and i know like there's an element of kind of like re-dead aspects to like as long as like i from i remember what I, like when we got the episode titles and we saw vet like the curse of vecno like i remember like reading some of like about that night and by my understanding it was like if like his like left eye survives or something not that they'll like go that deep into it but i but that being said i think that like they'll kind of like re uh, he'll have a new form that's not yeah. as messed up, more like improved. So I think that's uh, possible. And then my other prediction is uh, I'm um, I'm full on board of the Steve and Nancy train getting back together. See, I I think I'm okay with it, but they they have to kill Jonathan or have them break up. And I think there's a higher chance that they actually just kill Steve. Which probably I don't want them to do but but i think but i think there's a strong chance that they could just especially with like the direction that they kind of started to go in terms of jonathan and nancy just like having that disconnect that was yeah. like they weren't quite telling like they both felt a certain way they weren't telling each other kind of what was going on um so i i think that they're like they at least have if they want to do that um that they've set that motion like Move, like they've gotten that ball rolling and i and like you said earlier like um not in the same way but like very rarely do they do do the duffers seemingly do things for no reason so i feel like kind of having steve talk about like his whole like him wanting to be a dad go yeah. like get in the rv go across the country like in in him wanting that to be with nancy um between that and like like i just said a second ago them kind of talking about the miscommunications and the fading of things yeah. kind of sort of between Jonathan and Nancy. I, I definitely think that they've gotten that going. Now I just don't know how they'll finish that. But I think uh but I'm gonna go out on a limb and say Steve <laughs> and Nancy get back together. Yeah. Brooke. Um so I want Steve and Nancy to get back together. Yeah me too. But I think since we know that there's gonna be a time jump in the next season, um I think what they're going to do is Nancy is going to have chosen herself and like gone off to college, left both of the boys in the dust. And then when she comes back is when she's going to choose one of them. Yeah, that makes sense. They're hoping that Steve. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that that's the, other, that's the other super interesting thing is that we've got confirmation that they're going to use a time jump 
in the story to help their the actors not seem quite so off from their character ages, which I'm a huge fan of that. I think, it's, I think it makes tons of sense. It's a great idea. The problem is Hawkins is kind of like a hell on earth. So I think there's a chance that they either have already filmed or we'll just go ahead and just say like, well, we'll just film, you know, part of our scene and they'll look super old. I think they're going to probably the opening of the show of the season will be not a time jump. And then they'll have this one scene to kind of set the stage where to, to allow us to understand why they can go ahead and skip some time. And then I think they'll probably skip two or three years. Uh, like I think they might skip to like senior year because they're freshmen right now, right? Dustin and, my, and Mike and everyone. So I think I think they could skip to either the start of senior year um, or the summer before senior year, something like that, where, you know, I think there's a decent chance they skip a couple of years, two or three years. Um, and the only problem is it like it feels like there are a lot of loose loose ends, right? Because of Hawkins. So I don't know what they would do, but I think they could come back and open episode one with a scene of them right after we just saw them in season four, going into town and like somehow fixing or trying to fix or just saying like, well, this is life now. You know, they can't fix it. And then we move forward. Um, Carson, do you have any ideas on how they're going to address this time jump? Because they've already said they're going to do it, which I heard that before the last two episodes came out. I was like, okay, awesome. And then those two episodes came out and it was like, how? Yeah, I think, I don't, I think that'll just kind of be like Hawkins is recovering from this, these natural disasters. Um, they've it's just possible. been having like the volunteer like drives going on and they're just trying to basically get their buildings put back together but they don't really know what's happening and then there's going to be like some sort of like so i guess my my prediction would be that it's almost maybe kind of backwards of what you were saying okay Um, how it'll be like we'll get the time jump pretty much like you might see something as to what's going on like they might film a scene but nothing like soup like just kind of to set the stage time jump and then immediately after the time jump like um, nothing's happened yet, but then you get this like cataclysmic. Did not say that word correctly. Um, <laughs> Cat- cataclysmic. Um, cataclysmic um, <laughs> event. Um, that kind of like is the uh, like kind of gets the ball rolling um, for this season. So yeah, I don't think that they'll necessarily do i think it'll just kind of be like we've been hanging out been trying to put the town back together um just because i that because i it was i remember when you told me that they were doing a time jump i that you didn't believe me (laughs) yeah i was like wait what uh it took me uh, by surprise and so i i I genuinely couldn't like can't think of a huge reason to do that other than just get let's kind of reset our footing we met we started off the show kind of under like having the kids younger than the actual actors we lost time yeah uh, COVID. from covid and just everything so they're kind of just kind of get their uh t's crossed and their eyes dotted yeah. i i guess i can see what you're saying we're basically like they could make reference of what's happened over the last couple of years like they could do character dialogue which are news out. like show like a show like a tv like they, 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 could do a news, they could do a news report like maybe someone's filming a documentary <laughs> you know someone's filming so they have like a trailer for like oh coming you know one year later we're catching up or, or even even maybe nancy's yeah. involved in it Who that's knows? true yeah it's true i think there's a big possibility that they're gonna go like a almost like a 80s styles propaganda route okay. where yeah they kind of did at the end footage of them rebuilding Hawkins yeah. at the beginning and then it jumps to like Hawkins after all of this. Yeah. And that's the time jump that we get. For sure. Um do we think Max is going to come back to life or come back out of the coma? Yes. Um, yes. Brooks hopeful. But do you, do you <laughs> I I don't know. They haven't killed a, a major character ever. I hope slow expectations. Like Billy is the only character that's died that's been in more than one season. Right, I think I think Elle's gonna have her uh, Ray moment where she learns how to heal people. (laughs) 
I mean, she kind of did. Yeah. She kind yeah. of already did. Yeah. Kind of, that's another thing is like, they've kind of hinted at things. And so it's like, yeah. do we think any, any predictions on deaths? Steve. I think Steve is, is, a, is a candidate. Like he could. I don't, I, I hope um, not. But I think the kids are, I, think I, I feel like the kids are untouchable. I think the kids are untouchable. Maybe 11 would be a, an easy way to tidy up the story of like, how do you move on with, you know, like the more, the, the longer the 11's out in the world, the more that people, people know about her, the more that it, unless you're going to be like, yeah, this is not tied into like, you know, anything real. But if she just died, I don't know. It would be sad, <laughs> but like yeah. kind of cleans and things up a little bit. Something that we haven't talked about, and especially, uh, so I want to bring it up now as we're kind of looking into season five, but the other military dude, the general, he, the, yeah, he's, he's not out of the picture. Uh, no, by he's any still means. around. So that's very definitely going to be, I would assume he's going to be one of our antagonistic forces next season as well. Um, I think Vecna is probably going to die next season. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> Good, good one. <laughs> good, 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 safe, safe bet there. Um, yeah, I think that. Do we think that they're gonna like kill the upside down, like get rid of it, or just like seal it off? I think it's they're gonna seal it because they, at the yeah. end of the day, they're. I feel like, especially when we kind of know that there's maybe spinoffs. Um, well, there are spinoffs coming. Yeah, and, and, and will that will that include the upside down? Who knows? But I feel like that's not something that they want. I mean, you that's a, very clearly you can kind of like have like the opening and closing of that gate at will, um, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> when it kind of whenever this, you want to write it into the story, so yeah, I don't think sure. they're going to close the. I don't think they're going to close the gate on uh, reopening the gate. <laughs> You can't, yeah, you can't say gate or door because even door is like, uh, it's still kind of the same thing. Uh, okay. Um, I, that's, I think those are probably the only questions I would have left moving forward. Any any uh, other predictions or thoughts moving forward for season five? Okay. So let's go ahead and get into our, our Vecna songs. Um, when, this, when we first watched this season, especially the volume one portion, we talked about how we were going to do this on the podcast. So I'll go ahead and start and we'll do, we, we, I don't know if we all three did this. It's totally fine if we did not, but I, at least I have one that's like modern songs, meaning my lifetime, pretty much like songs that mean something personally to me that came out in my lifetime. And also I picked some songs or I picked from some songs that if I was living in Hawkins, when Vecna's attacking in the, you know, 1980, six or whatever year that is 88 i don't remember now i think it's 86 is when the yeah. there's been volume four is taking place uh so i'll start off with my modern songs we can go around the horn and come back so the two songs that i narrowed it down to the second place there's not gonna be the song i'm gonna pick is head full of doubt road road full of promise by the avon brothers really good song uh strong mess like part of what part of my criteria where it was like I don't want just a song that I love or a song about like love. And I want to have some kind of a message that means something to me. And that song does. Uh, also, one that I'm picking, my song for uh, Breaking Vecna's Curse is Float On by Modest Mouse. Uh, I love the song. I've loved it since I was a teenager. And it's like one of those songs that has a, a heavier message than you think because of how upbeat it is. And I had a ton of songs that I was like looking at where I was like, oh, I think this song would really, it, it, it's a song that's important to me, but it was almost too depressing <laughs> most of the time. Like Radiohead, love Radiohead, a lot of good Radiohead songs that have really strong messaging, strong theming, but they're like horribly depressing <laughs> and not really what I'm looking for here. So it can't be all dour. It has to have like a silver lining at least. And to me, Float On is basically like, yeah, life sucks sometimes. There's a lot of bad things that happen in life, but we have to keep going. Like you have to float on. We need to continue moving forward. Um, also, having it be float on in a season where people are floating, I was like, yeah, come on now. <laughs> I, I had to do it. I had to do it. So, um, Carson, do you have one? Do you have two songs or one song? So for new, you mean like for a new and one? Do you have a new song and an old song or do you have just one song? 
I, I have new and old. Okay, cool. So go ahead and do your modern, your modern take. So before I do that, I'm going to give a little bit of criteria. Okay, go for it. Um, so for first, obviously, is personal significance. That's obvious. Yeah. Um, I also had like the dynamic of it couldn't be all hype. It couldn't be all yes. sad. It had to have dynamic yeah. uh, in terms of emotions. And then I also, uh, part of mine, uh, it needed to have an iconic like riff and iconic motif to it like yeah. the synth in the beginning of running up that hill yeah by kate bush so uh <laughs> if this is happening today um in my walkman i am replaying a 10 minute segment off of coldplay's x and y album oh uh with oh, fix going. you and talk so um, the song, two songs <laughs> two songs but they're back to back they are back to back and that's right, what Madison. justified um <laughs> and and so those those are my two songs um fix you is more maybe obvious choice but talk yeah. maybe for me personally has more significance um and it has a, an amazing uh has great dynamics has an awesome guitar motif um and so that checked all of those boxes yeah for my old song on, i wait. actually no, not yet, not, not yet, not oh yet. not not an old no. song yet. okay we're just doing, we're just doing modern ones <laughs> okay okay, I'll, okay i'll add in for for two things for float on the guitar the rhythm guitar and also the lead line for that song i think both have kind of a, a beat vibe that i'm looking for like we were talking about i also probably should address the fact that i didn't pick a coldplay song which is by far and away like the best song the best my favorite my favorite band i'm, I'm all over the place um Part of it was almost every song that I thought about picking was like, this is a love song. This is a love song. This is a love song. And it doesn't, it don't mean anything to me on a deeper level than like some, now there are some songs that do remind me of like Stacy, but those are like really personal. And it's like a love thing. It's not like, what, what do I think would give me the inspiration and the hope to like fight back against this evil force. And to me that Coldplay, I couldn't find a song that I both loved and fit that, that, that feeling no, I, that, that criteria that I put onto it. And I'm not saying that that's wrong for you to pick that, but like, I think Fix You is like one of the only ones that's both popular that I love that does, I think, fit the theme in there. But I didn't pick it mostly because of the fact that it is um, the opening. I wanted my song to open with something like, and the opening of Fix You was just an organ. And it's really quiet and somber. But you and get so like, to two minutes and 30 seconds and man, yeah, it's a and it, it takes off. Yeah. If you, if you can just pick any point in time in the song, that's where you're like, okay, yeah, here we go. But float on, like from the jump, you get the couple of drum hits and then you get the rhythm of the guitar coming in and it's pretty upbeat right away. And like you said, I don't want it to be like pure, happy, upbeat all the, the whole time, but I wanted it to have some kind of a, a, a moment in the, opening of the song which is part of why i thought about fix you and then didn't pick it because of that i thought you were going to go at least in 10 minutes i thought you were going to go with um the song at the end of music for the spheres um, yeah coloratura i was like dang that's a great pick but also way out of nowhere <laughs> okay uh brooke your modern song okay so i technically picked oh, two different two versions old songs. of modern songs oh no 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 okay Go ahead. No. Whatever you pick. So, <laughs> can I let me explain it? So I picked a song that would have worked for me if I was Max's age when this was happening. Cool. So I picked a song that meant something to me when I was like 15. Oh. Okay. And then I also picked like a modern one. So do you want me to give both of those? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So the one when I was 15. The Great Escape by Boys Like Girls. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I thought that was a, a good choice. And then the one yeah. right now would be Love It If We Made It, but the cover by Rina Sawayama. I don't know right. if you know that song. It's by the 1975. I, I know that I've heard of it. I've heard does, some of their stuff, but I haven't heard that song. So not even their version really, of the song, but a cover of it. Okay. Yeah. And it's incredible. What's the name of the song? Love it if we made it. Love it if we made it. Okay. Yes. It's very I'll to, good. I'll have to check it out because I'm not sure. That, I don't know that song. Um, okay. Fantastic. So then let's get into 
the old songs. This was actually where it was really hard for me, not because I don't know old songs, because I know too many old songs. So I'm going to really quickly give you like the seven or eight songs that I was looking at. There was a bunch. And if you're interested, I made a playlist. It is over four hours of songs to break Vecna's curse. And they're all like 80 songs that you could pick from, including Running Up That Hill and other songs that are in the show. Um, what was like uh, what was something else? Oh, like uh, Come On Eileen and like uh, what's the, the Clash song that Will listens to? Um, should I say or should I go? Should I say or should I go? Like, I think it's songs like that that are in the show or also in there. Okay, so I had a song. All, this is, I'm going to tell you the ones I did not pick, but they were in my like contention list. All She Wants to Do is Dance by Don Henley. Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears. Um, Nobody Told Me, John Lennon. Overkill by Men at Work, one of the most underrated bands of the 80s. Uh, Watching the Wheels by John Lennon. Take the Long Way Home by Supertramp is probably my number two. Like that harmonica opening was almost all that I could handle to not pick that song just for that, just for that opening. And then there's a song called Silent Running by Mike and the Mechanics, which I had heard of Mike and the Mechanics. I'd heard some of their songs. I'm not sure I heard this song. It's really cool, but uh, check it out if you are interested. And the song that I'm going to pick is uh, Dirty Laundry by Don Henley. So Eagles drummer and one of their lead singers, a song called Dirty Laundry. It's basically just about like, it's, it reminds me kind of of Burning Up That Hill and the fact that both of them are kind of a commentary on like how people suck sometimes. <laughs> like Burning Up That Hill is a lot about like, you know, basically she's saying, if I could, in order to help you, this man, understand what it's like to be a woman, I'd have to switch places with you to like really show you what it's like and how things are not really even and equal especially i would assume it would be even worse back in the 80s um and so dirty laundry touches on like how people are just kind of jerks and we just love to talk about each other's crap we love to get into our each other's dirty laundry they were just like looking for the bad news looking for the, the tea right <laughs> like looking for the drama and uh it is like a really strong, like Don Henley, he never writes a song where he has something to say. <laughs> Even like all she wants to do is dance is uh, like an anti-war song talking about how like people want to just basically bury their head in the sand and not look at the real issues and they just want to dance instead of face, you know, hard issues. So I, I, I went with uh, Dirty Laundry is the name of the song. Don Henley song, iconic like keyboard sounds, uh, to open up the song so that was also a part of why i picked it um so that's mine carson what about your second like in in keeping of the the time period of stranger things song so i was having a hard time coming <laughs> up with an 80s song that i felt like perfectly checked all the boxes so i changed the boxes to okay. check <laughs> and i went i did a one like a total 180 and I approached it from the perspective of if I was in that situation what would be most important for me in that moment and because of that I chose my favorite gospel song going up yonder by Tremaine Hawkins so that nice. moment I, I approached it from You're like angle well of, I'm gonna die so what can I listen to yeah if if I make it out perfect if i don't make it out oh well at least it's, it's all good i'm still i'm going to a better place it's fantastic um it's not the end of the world uh i'll see you on the other side i do have to say i forgot the other thing was i did pick a song so dirty laundry is if i'm like max's age in the 80s so i'm a teenager like 14 in the 80s in 86 right so if, if i'm 14 in 86 i would probably like a song that came out roughly in those two or three years around that time however i picked a song if i was like steve or nancy or the older kids who are 18 19 20 in the 80s and if you're that age you might like a song from the late 70s such as the 1977 classic the chain by fleetwood mac Stop, that's my song well sorry it's my song too <laughs> uh, i, had I to, mean actually. oh good good so the that song is like all i can think of was like 
if you just switched out the song, like running up that hill, if you switched out and put the chain in that scene, it's a great scene still. It's it, still it, just, it fits. Yeah, it fits. So yeah. uh, before I steal any more of your thunder, explain why the chain and then what other songs did you pick? I mean, my parents don't listen to music <laughs> and that's not an exaggeration. They don't listen to music ever. The only music they listen to is what I listen to. So I had to discover things on my own. Yeah. I didn't discover Fleetwood Mac until my late teens. And as soon as I did, I didn't listen to anything else for probably two months straight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think they're one of the best bands of the 70s and 80s. They're so good. I I could listen to The Chain alone on repeat for like two hours. Yeah. Um, But my second song... And following that trend of how much I love Fleetwood Mac and more importantly, Stevie Nicks, uh, The Edge of Seventeen. Yeah, I have that on the playlist. <laughs> it, is a one that, it wasn't one that I was going to pick, but I did put it on the playlist. Great, great, great choice. I think I had two Fleetwood Mac songs and then I had Edge of Seventeen. So a lot of commonality there. Good stuff, good stuff. Anything else for... Vecna songs that I'm missing before we move on. Okay, cool. Well, who knows when we're going to get season five, but we're coming up. Hopefully it'll be within the next two years. It'd be nice to get it next, you know, 2024 in the summer or spring or fall. Um, really, really, as long as it's any time in that year, I think we'll be happy. Uh, not having to wait more than two years would be pretty great. Uh, but who knows if we'll be podcasting still by then, but if we are, We'll come back and give you our thoughts about season five of Stranger Things. Let me know, number one, your thoughts on the season. There, I guarantee you there are things we've missed and not talked about. Uh, we just didn't want to get into all the nitty gritty, every little thing. Uh, we'd be here all day, all night. So let me know your thoughts on different things, uh, maybe spots where you agree or disagree with us. Let me know your Vecna songs. That's something I like, actively want to get in my DMs is like, your Vecna songs, either from the 80s or from the modern time of your lifetime. Um, that's something I really want to hear. And if you are interested, I can send you the link. I have the playlist, four hours and 19 minutes of uh, songs to break Vecna's curse with uh, 80s songs galore, some late 70s songs, but mostly mostly 80s songs from, from 1980 to 1986. So if you like 80s music and you want to hear some Vecna songs, I can get you the link to that. Other, otherwise, as always, send me your thoughts, specifically the Vecna songs. Send me that and it's on, on Instagram at shady underscore buffalo underscore podcast. And with that, we will see you all next time.